Good evening. It's good to be together tonight. Appreciate this time that we're able to spend in worship together. I hope that today's been a good day for you. I hope that today was a day where you were able to honor those mothers in your life. I hope that uh, today was a day of joy and celebration for you. I hope that you were able to have a good time today. I'm reminded of how Jesus talks about family on days like today. We were studying in Mark chapter 3 a little bit earlier today, talking about the life of Mary. And if we would have kept reading in Mark chapter 3, we would come to a point where Jesus asked the question, Who are my mother and my brothers? And if you remember the story, He extends His arm out to the crowd who He's teaching, the crowd who He's speaking to, and He says, These are my mother and brothers and sister. Whoever does the will of God, He says that is my family. On a day like today, I'm reminded of not only how important our physical families are, but also how important our spiritual family is. And that's something we've been able to celebrate today in Bible class and worship, and now again in a period of Bible study as we continue to walk through and actually conclude this evening, Mark chapter 1. So if you have your Bibles, let's go to where uh, was just read for us just a few minutes ago, Mark chapter 1. And we're going to be looking at verses 40 through 45, if you'll join me there. Mark chapter 1, if you have your copy of God's Word, we're going to be looking at this short story, yet powerful story, that Mark records in verses 40 through 45. There was a man who was teaching a middle school Bible class one time, and if you've ever taught a middle school Bible class, then you know that some crazy things happen in those classes. He was teaching this class, and they were talking about the earthly ministry of Jesus, what Jesus did on a daily basis. He asked the class, where did Jesus go during his earthly ministry? What were some of the places that he went to? One middle schooler raised her hand, said Jesus went to the synagogue. He said, that's exactly right. Jesus sometimes did go to the synagogue. Another girl raised her hand and said Jesus went to the temple. He said, yeah, that's right. Jesus went to the temple several times in Matthew, Mark, and Luke towards the end of his ministry. And John, at the beginning of his ministry, a little boy raised his hand and said, Jesus went into people's houses and they sat down and ate meals together. He said, yeah, that's right. Jesus did that with several different people at several different times. They sat down at the table and and shared meals together. Another little boy raised his hand. Jesus went to the zoo. Everybody looked at him like he had four eyes. What do you mean Jesus went to the zoo? I don't ever remember reading a story about where Jesus went to the zoo. So he elaborated on it just a little bit. Yeah, Jesus went to the zoo. You didn't know that? He, that's where he went to heal all of those leopards. You know, all those leopards that he healed through the Gospels, he must have went to the zoo in order to do that. Well, if you're confused, let me clarify it for you. In the Gospels, Jesus didn't heal any leopards. Jesus healed lepers. And one of those stories is what's recorded for us in Mark chapter 1, verses 40 through 45. You know, so far in the Gospel of Mark, we've seen Jesus perform some pretty powerful healings. If you go back to what we talked about last week in Mark chapter 1 and verse number 31, 
Jesus heals Peter's mother-in-law of a fever that she had. He goes, he grabs her by the hand, he picks her up, immediately the fever left her, and she began to serve those who were gathered together in the house. If you skip down to Mark chapter 1 and verse number 32, the Bible says, that evening at sundown they brought to him all who were sick in the city. So what did Jesus do? Well, verse 34, he healed many who were sick with various diseases. We've seen Jesus heal all kinds of different people of all kinds of different diseases. Well, tonight we're going to zero in on one particular individual who had a very specific disease. We're going to talk about how Jesus cleansed a man who had leprosy. I think the first thing that we need to consider in that story is the disease that's presented in chapter 1 and verse 40, the problem that we find in this section of Scripture. I want you to use your imagination with me for just a second. Imagine that you're living in the first century world. You're going about your daily routine, living your normal life, and all of a sudden you look down on your arm and there's a piece of discolored skin. It's not a very big spot. But it's enough to worry you. You reach down to, to kind of feel around it, and it's completely numb. So in the first century world, if you were a Jew, you would have went to the priest. The priest would have inspected you, according to Leviticus chapter 13, and he would have said to you words that nobody wanted to hear. You have leprosy. Back in the New Testament time, this word that's translated as leprosy was used to describe a number of different skin diseases, but consider the impact that leprosy would have on an individual. It certainly and obviously had a physical impact. As you've just been presented with having leprosy, it starts, of course, very small but works its way throughout the entire body, discoloring the skin, killing the nerve endings so that you can no longer feel. And if it got infected, if it got bad enough, your skin would start to rot. As bad as that is, as bad as the physical aspects of leprosy would be, think about how bad it would be socially to have leprosy. If you're a leper, that means that you're unclean. And if you're unclean, that means nobody else wants to be around you. The people you used to be friends with, they're not friends with you anymore. The people you used to hang around, they don't hang around you anymore. Even the closest people in your life, your wife, your kids, your extended family, whoever it might be, they don't want to get close to you. They don't want to get within touching distance because if you touch somebody that's unclean, what do you become? You become unclean. Lepers lived totally isolated from everybody else. They lived outside the city. You either lived alone or you lived in a little colony of lepers, people who were just like you, people who were also deemed as unclean by the rest of society. According to the Old Testament law, if you were a leper and you entered into the city, you had to make sure that your hair was messed up and you had to wear filthy clothes. So that people could identify you as a leper and keep their distance from you. They didn't even want to get wrapped up with you by accident. They didn't even want to brush shoulders with you. They wanted to make sure, hey, if, if someone's hair is messed up and they're wearing filthy clothes, we're getting on the other side of the road. You had to cover up the bottom half of your face, cover up your mouth, and when you walked close to people, you had to scream at the top of your lungs, unclean, unclean, just so people would know to get away from you. Whenever you had leprosy in the first century world, 
your disease became your identity. That's who you were. That's how people viewed you. You were not an individual who had leprosy. You were a leper. That was your identity. That's who you were. So notice as we begin looking at this story in Mark chapter 1 and verse 40, look at the first three words. What does it say? And a leper. We don't know this man's backstory. We don't know everything that he went through or even how long he had leprosy, but we can imagine that his story was like the one we pictured and imagined just a few moments ago. This man would have had discolored skin spreading throughout his body, the nerve endings being killed, perhaps even the skin starting to rot away. He would have been completely separated from everybody else completely isolated. When you saw him, you would make sure to keep your distance from him. Notice how he's described in the text of Scripture. As we said a moment ago, this is not a man who has leprosy. This is a leper. His identity, who he was, how people viewed him, was tied up in the disease that he had. People only saw him for the disease, the leprosy, that plagued his life. This man has a disease, and it impacts his life in a lot of different ways. As we think about this man and his disease, it makes me reflect on the disease that humanity has dealt with all the way from Genesis chapter 3. Every single person who has ever lived has had to deal with a disease that's a lot worse than leprosy, and it's the disease of sin. Consider how much worse sin is than the leprosy that we're talking about in Mark chapter 1. Leprosy would kill your nerve endings. Sin kills you spiritually. Leprosy rots your flesh. Sin rots your soul. Leprosy makes you ceremonially unclean. since, rather, got that backwards, didn't I? I guess sin could make you ceremonially unclean if we were living under the Old Testament law. Leprosy makes you ceremonially unclean. Sin makes you spiritually unclean. Leprosy separates you from other people. Sin separates you from God, not only in this life, but also in the life that's coming. Just like leprosy, whenever we are living with the disease and sickness of sin, that's who we are. That is our identity. When we're living with the disease of sin, we're not people who sin. We are sinners in the eyes of God. But there's one key difference that we need to draw between leprosy and sin. Do you know what it is? Leprosy is something that just happened to you. Maybe you couldn't control it. Maybe if you ended up with leprosy, you don't even know where you got it. You don't even know who passed it on to you. It's something that just happened. Nobody in the first century world would choose to be a leper. Nobody in the first century world would choose to have leprosy. But what have we done? Every single person who has ever lived at some point has chosen the disease, the sickness of sin. Nobody in Jesus' world would choose to be a leper. Think about it today. Nobody today would choose to have cancer, would they? 
But every single one of us have made decisions that have placed us underneath the disease of sin. At one point, maybe there are even people in this room who are continuing to live in the disease of sin. As people, we are sick. We are broken. We are diseased. We are filthy. Does that leave us in a hopeless situation? Well, now, as we continue reading throughout this text, we not only see the disease, but we also see an appeal in chapter 1 in verse 40. We've emphasized so far throughout Mark chapter 1, we're going to continue to see this in our study of the Gospel of Mark, Jesus' popularity continues to grow. His popularity among the common people continues to spread. People are constantly talking about, hey, did you hear about what Jesus did to this person? Or did you hear about what Jesus did to that person? People are constantly talking about the amazing miracles that Jesus was able to perform. Somewhere, somehow, from some person, this leper hears about Jesus. He hears about the miracles that Jesus is capable of and the healing that Jesus can impart, the healing that Jesus can give. So what does he do in chapter 1 and verse 40? He makes an appeal to Jesus. And I believe that we can describe that appeal with five different words. First, this appeal that the leper leper makes is a very personal appeal. The Bible says in verse 40, the leper came to him. Back in this time, lepers weren't supposed to get within touching distance of people who didn't have leprosy. Someone who was unclean wasn't supposed to get within reach out and touch you distance from someone who was clean. Here, the leper completely ignores that. He comes before Jesus as close as he can get. He's not making this appeal to Jesus from the other side of the street. He's not sending somebody else to make this appeal on his behalf. He himself comes to Jesus directly and he talks about the disease that he has. He talks about the sickness that he has. He's not talking about everybody else's sickness. He's talking about his own sickness. This is a very personal appeal on the part of the leper. This is also an urgent appeal. This wasn't a stone that the leper wanted to kick down the street. This wasn't something that the leper said to Jesus. You know, we could take care of it now, but if you want to wait five to ten business days, we could take care of it then. Now this was something that was urgent to him. We see that in the Word, that he came to him doing what? Imploring him. Begging him for cleansing. Begging him for healing. This wasn't something that he was willing to wait on. He wanted to be cleansed and to be cleansed right then. In that moment. Number three, this is a reverent appeal. The Bible says as he comes to Jesus and he's imploring Jesus, he knelt down before Jesus. He fell down on his knees. Why would you fall down on your knees in front of somebody? Is that something you do just on a regular basis to regular people? No, you fall down on your knees before people who you realize are greater than you. People who are more powerful than you. People who you revere. People who you respect. This leper has just heard about Jesus. He's heard about what Jesus is capable of, yet he has such a reverence and a respect for how great Jesus is and for how powerful Jesus is. He's falling down on his knees before Jesus. Number four, this is a certain appeal. He doesn't come before Jesus saying, you know, I I heard what some people were saying about you and I don't really know if they're reliable or not. I just wanted to try this out. This is my last resort. This is my last ditch effort is to come before you and ask you to heal me. That's not what the leper says. In verse number 40, the leper says, you 
can make me clean. He has no doubt in his mind about what Jesus is capable of. He has no doubt in his mind that Jesus is capable of cleansing him of his leprosy. But as this is a certain appeal, it's also a very humble appeal. He doesn't come before Jesus demanding Jesus' cleansing. He doesn't come before Jesus saying, you can cleanse me or else you're going to face the consequences. He says, verse 40, if you will, you can make me clean. This leper had been overlooked by so many people. This leper had been ignored for so long by so many. And so as he comes to Jesus, he says, look, I'm not sure if you'd be willing to heal somebody like me. I'm not sure if you'd be interested in somebody like me. Nobody else is interested in me. Nobody else will even get close to me. I'm not sure if you're interested in me at all. But what I am sure of is that you can do this if you would just be willing to. This leper recognizes something very important, that Jesus is his only option. Jesus is the only answer. If he wants to be cleansed, if he wants to be healed of his leprosy, Jesus is the only avenue. Jesus is the only one who can do that. And so he comes before Jesus making a very powerful appeal. What about us? We said just a few moments ago that All of us, at some point, have struggled with a disease that's a lot worse than leprosy. It's the disease of sin. Maybe some of us are even continuing to live in that disease of sin. We have to recognize what the leper recognized. We have to recognize that Jesus is the only answer. What did Jesus say in John chapter 14 and verse number 6? I am the way the truth and the life. No man comes to the Father except He come through me. We have to recognize if we want to be cleansed of our disease, if we want to be cleansed of our sickness and our sin and our mistakes and our brokenness, we have to recognize that Jesus is the only way that we can do that. And when we recognize that Jesus is the only way that we can do that, we find ourselves in a situation where we are making an appeal to Him. An appeal that is just like the leper. An appeal that is very personal. Isn't it amazing to think that Jesus gives us the opportunity to come up to Him? This isn't from a half a mile away, as we said. This isn't from the other side of the street. But Jesus allows us to come as close to Him in our sickness as we possibly can to talk to Him about our sin problem. We're not talking about everybody else's sin problem. We're not talking about the sins that my neighbor down the road commits or the person across the auditorium commits. I'm coming to Jesus in my appeal, talking to Him about the sins that I've committed. I need your cleansing. I need you to save me from this. We have the opportunity, just like the leper, to make an urgent appeal. If you're here tonight and you're still diseased by sin, and you've never made this appeal to Jesus Is it something that should be urgent to you? This shouldn't be a stone that you kick down the road. You remember the question that Ananias asked Saul in Acts 22.16? What did he say? Why are you waiting? Saul, why are you just sitting there? Why, Why tarriest thou, the King James says? Get up. Be baptized. Be cleansed by Jesus. Wash away your sins. Calling on His name. This is not something that we wait on. 
This is not something that we say, you know, two or three months down the road, two or three years down the road, this is something that I'll do. When I realize how sick I am and how diseased I am, this appeal to Jesus becomes very urgent. And it becomes more urgent than anything else in my life. We have the opportunity to make a reverent appeal. Jesus says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. We recognize Jesus is greater than we are. Jesus is more powerful than we are. He is the Lord and we are the servant. When we embrace that, we find us on our knees before Jesus, pleading for His cleansing, pleading for Him to heal us in a way of reverence and respect. We have the opportunity to make a certain appeal. Maybe sometimes when we approach Jesus, we use the word maybe. Jesus, I don't know if you can do this, but if you can do this, I'd really like you to. When you make an appeal to cleansing for Jesus, there's no maybe about it. You can make me clean. Jesus, I know you can do this. But as we know Jesus can do this, it's not something where we approach Jesus in arrogance, where we're saying you have to do this. We have the opportunity to make a humble appeal to Jesus. Jesus, if you'd be interested in somebody like me, if you'd be interested in someone who has made such terrible decisions time after time, someone who's corrupted themselves, I know that you can make me clean. Just like the leper, we have to recognize Jesus is the only way. There's not more than one way to cleansing. There is only one way to cleansing, and that is through Jesus. And so we recognize how sick we really are. We recognize who the answer is. And we make an appeal to Him that is powerful. An appeal that matches what the leper does at the end of Mark chapter 1. What is the result going to be? Well, the third part of this story that dominates the majority of the text is the cleansing that this leper receives. He's sick, diseased, unclean. He comes before Jesus and makes an appeal. And Jesus responds to him. Everything that Jesus does for this sick man starts in his heart. Did you see that in verse 41? Everything that Jesus does for this leper begins with his emotions. When he sees this man who is sick on his hands and knees before him, begging him for cleansing, saying, if you will, you can make me clean, Jesus was moved with pity. Jesus felt compassion for this man. And He felt so much compassion for this man. This detail is important. He reaches out His hand and touches him. Did Jesus have to do that to heal him? No, we find in other Gospel accounts that Jesus didn't have to even be in the same city as an individual in order to heal them. Jesus didn't even have to be in the same room as this leper in order to heal him. Yet, He feels so much compassion for this individual that He reaches out His hand and touches him. I wonder how long it's been since this leper has felt the human touch. I wonder how long it's been since someone was willing to reach out in compassion and touch him. Jesus was willing to do that. And it's kind of interesting, isn't it? Usually, what would you expect? Jesus reaches out and touch some, touches somebody that's unclean. What's going to happen? Well, Jesus is going to become unclean, right? The opposite is actually what happens. By Jesus' touch, He doesn't become unclean. Instead, He makes the leper clean. 
With Jesus' touch, the uncleanliness doesn't transfer from the leper to Jesus. Instead, cleanliness transfers from Jesus to the leper. He reaches out and touches him. And then he says these words in Mark chapter 1 and verse 41, I will. Jesus, I don't know if you'd be interested in somebody like me. Nobody else is interested in me. Nobody else pays attention to me. But I know if you want to, if you'd want to heal somebody like me, I know that you can do it. Jesus says, I want you to know that I'm interested in you. I want you to know that I care about you. I want you to know that this isn't just something that I have to do. This is not just some sort of obligation that I have. I want to cleanse you. So what did He do? Here's a command. Be clean. And with those words, verse 42, immediately, it didn't take five or ten minutes, immediately the leprosy left Him and He was made clean. Here's a man who's sick unclean, diseased by leprosy. Yet, he makes a very powerful appeal to Jesus. And through Jesus' touch and Jesus' words, this man is completely cleansed of his disease. He is immediately cleansed of his disease. And from that point forward, his life was changed. From that point forward, his life was different. He was no longer a leper. His identity, who he was, was no longer wrapped up in the disease that he had. Instead, now, he's cleansed. He's freed. He's purified. How does he feel about it? Even though Jesus tells him not to, he cannot help himself but to go and tell everybody about what Jesus has done in his life. Announcing to anybody who he could talk to, let me tell you about this man who cleansed me. Let me tell you about this man who made me new and gave me life. It's an amazing parallel, isn't it? As people, we are broken and diseased and unclean and sick as a result of our own sinful choices. Yet when we realize that Jesus is the only option, and we find ourselves on our knees before Him, making an appeal, if you will, you can make me clean. How does Jesus respond to that? It starts in His heart. That kind of appeal doesn't offend Jesus. It doesn't make Jesus angry. When we come before Jesus looking for cleansing, He is not indignant with us. He doesn't turn us away. Instead, He feels pity for us. He feels compassion for us. And He feels so much compassion that He's moved by it to reach out His hand and to touch our uncleanness. To touch our sickness. To touch our disease. And to say the words to us, I will. Jesus wants to assure you that He's interested in you. Jesus wants to assure you that He cares about you. Jesus wants to assure you that this is not an obligation to Him. This is not something He has to do. This is something He wants to do. I will be cleansed. And immediately what happens? Well, we don't see it happen like the leper would have. But when we make that appeal to Jesus, and Jesus extends His heart, and He extends His love, and He extends His compassion to us, immediately our disease leaves us. Our sin is no longer weighing on our shoulders. And we are cleansed. 
It changes us. It changes who we are. After we are cleansed by Jesus, our lives are never the same. Like the leper, we're not sinners anymore. We are not defined by our mistakes. Our identity is not found in our disease. Instead, now our identity is found in the One who has given us new life. The One who has cleansed us. The One who has made us new. And from that point forward, we can't help but tell every single person we meet, you know what an awesome Savior I have? Do you know what Jesus has done in my life? Do you know how Jesus has made a difference for me? Once we are cleansed by Jesus, life is never the same. It's an amazing story at the end of the Gospel of Mark. It doesn't take us long to read through it, yet it contains so much that relates to us, a disease, an appeal, and a cleansing. Why do you think this story is here? Why do you think this story is included in the Gospel of Mark? Because when you go to the end of the Gospel of John, John tells us that if if books were written to detail everything that Jesus did, the world itself couldn't even contain the books. You think about every day that Jesus lived and everything that Jesus did. Why does Mark take this story in chapter 1, verses 40-45 through and present it to us? Can I share with you my opinion? This is not just a historical account of what Jesus did for one individual in one specific moment in very specific circumstances. It is that, but it's not just that. This is a beautiful illustration of what Jesus is willing to do for us. Make it more personal. This story is a beautiful illustration of the cleansing that Jesus is willing to give to you and the cleansing that Jesus is willing to give to me. Cleansing from Christ. Are you continuing to live in the disease of your sin tonight? Are you continuing to live in that sickness and brokenness? You don't have to. Just like the leper tonight, you can make an appeal to Jesus. You can immediately receive cleansing from Jesus. All that it requires is everything. Submit yourself to Him. Live live with Him in obedience. Be the person who He wants you to be. Maybe you need to come back to this cleansing. You've turned your back on the One who at one time cleansed you of your sins and you'd like for us to pray for you, that would be our privilege. We'd love to help you, to pray with you, to study with you, anything that we can do. Jesus offers cleansing and it's available tonight as we stand and as we sing.